you're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Before we go into a time of communion, Today, the Lord's Table, which we've been doing every week throughout this series called Return to Me, which we started in January. We've done a few different things. We've kind of a, we've done a little past the plate. It's been in the middle um, now for the last week, and now this week it's going to be up there, and it will be self-serve in a bit. Um, does everyone have a phone with you today? I'm, you know, I'm obviously I'm talking, you know, 13 years, 14 years up, or 18, whatever you permit, you know, you're kids to be there. Um, and if your kids want to be in Clubhouse, by the way, this is a great time for them to exit. If not, you are here for the duration. Um, so if you need freedom, if you need freedom, be free, little ones. And I thank those who are, and they can't hear me, obviously, but let's be grateful for those who are teaching and, and serving uh, those kids just down the hall, uh, week in and week out. If you're looking for a place to serve, there you go. There you go. Um, so if you have a phone, hold, if you, that's great. You're, you're going to need that, possibly, in a few minutes. All right. And what I want to do for about the next 10 minutes is read uh, two scriptures, and then we're going to respond in, in possibly a, a unique way that we wouldn't usually do. And in this Return to Me series last week, I thank you for you who shared. Um, Our service went, quote-unquote, over, if that is even a thing. Uh, You know me, I'm a pastor. I don't watch the clock. Um, That's your job. Um, And so if you determined we went over, then we did. Uh, If we we didn't, no, then we didn't. But we, we ended around 1236, and the last half hour or so, was some of y'all standing up and as a community, a confessing community to each other, uh, repenting of some things that uh, we have done, that you have done as we return to the Lord. And all this has, again, again been building off of Second Chronicles and, and feeling the, the call back to um, maybe a rediscovery of, of, of our church, of worship, of communion, of God's holiness. Um, and so I want to read two scriptures um, before we share communion, the Lord's Supper, together today. And the first is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll begin in verse 17. You don't have to follow along, but that's where I am. More important is that you listen. And Paul is writing uh, in this first letter that we have in the church to Corinth about the Lord's Supper. And the, the church in Corinth at the time is doing a lot of things right, but there's one area that they've kind of missed the boat. And so I want to be careful because I'm not saying... That, that we have in this arena, but all scripture is good for teaching, right? So we're, we can learn from this. So let, let's learn from it. So Paul writes in the, in the following instructions, I do not commend you. He's given him a lot of praises. You know, he starts with that, you know, compliment sandwich type of thing. If you ever heard that, you know, hit him with something good first. And then, oh, by the way, in the middle, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. When, the church, when y'all are gathering, it's not edifying. It's not building each other up. It's just gossip and nitty-gritty, and you've lost the reason of why you're coming together. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Boo. Divisions aren't good, right? And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, the divisions... Don't highlight those who are wrong. It highlights those who are, who are right, if we think about it that way. All right? And when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. You might be having the bread or the wine there, but you're not doing it. You're not focused on it. It's not important. You're going through the motions, and it's just become a meal to you. All you can eat, Passover bar. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat for an eating. Each one goes ahead with his own meal, his own pace. One goes hungry. He didn't even get a chance to get eggs at the pancake breakfast. They were gone. Not enough eggs. 
We're gone. This is the last pancake breakfast, not the new one. New one, we definitely had eggs. All right, so one goes hungry and another one gets drunk. Now, we prevent that because we got Welch's Concord grape juice up there, all right? So one gets, one gets left out, doesn't even get the, the food, and the other one abuses what is there. And, and I love this, beginning in verse 22, there's a reference in pop culture that goes something like, What? Which then is followed, Yeah! And then followed by, Okay! Right? And so this, What? Right there in 22 is like that type of, Are you kidding me? What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Like, don't you got your own space together? You don't have to do that here in the church. Or you do, do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What, what, what am I going to say to you? What can I tell you? Ain't nobody got time for that. Shall I commend you in this? Get, am I going to give you a sticker, a, a good job, church? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I have also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus... On the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And keep in mind, Paul was not there for this moment. His life had yet to be transformed by Jesus Christ. He was not in the upper room. He did not dine at the table with Jesus and dip his bread into the juice, which Judas did and betray him. But he knows about it, as do we. He was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup. After supper, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. We're going to stop there in 29. It's great to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Is it not? But as we've been doing every week, we have to also be careful to not get caught and the repetition, and the rote, and the method. We have to still take it seriously. And following that up, Jesus, going back down to Matthew chapter 5, says this in chapter 21 in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, You have heard it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. Don't follow through yet. You've got work to do. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and then you be put in prison. That's not good. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you pay the last penny. That comeuppance is going to come for you. You want to think about it that way. Not karma, it's judgment. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if you've got something against your brother in Christ or otherwise, or if there's someone who a brother or sister in Christ has against you, you need to fix that before we do this. And so that's my challenge for you. We're going to take the next seven minutes-ish, and I want you to, in this building and or and or on your phone, there is someone you need to come to. There is someone, I guarantee it, there is someone that you have wronged or failed. There is someone that your sin has impeded your relationship or damaged, possibly even their perception of religion or faith or Christ. 
There is someone who has something against you. Maybe they hurt you, and maybe it's you who need to forgive. And my challenge to you is to take the next few minutes. If that person is in this building, you seek him out. If that means you need to go into the kid's room where your kid is and get down on a knee and say, Child, I've let you down. And Daddy apologizes. If that means you pick up the phone and they, you, you call your mother-in-law. Yeah, I know it's Sunday morning. I don't care. Leave her a message. It's probably safer that way anyway, right? <laughs> leave, leave that woman a message and ask for forgiveness. Because that's probably the way it goes. If it's your cousin, your brother, your sister, if they're in the room, if they're in the booth, I don't care. Take seven minutes and you go find that person. And we're going to get some forgiveness going on. And then, and then, we will come back together. And then, we will share in communion together. That sound like a plan? If there's no one you can think of, you ain't thinking hard enough. There is someone today, because we don't have tomorrow, there is someone you need to get right with before we take this table together. And in doing so, in right standing with God. That's what we're called to do. Before you go to the altar, before you leave your gift, before we have communion, Forgiveness. Whether you offer it or you need it. That's our task together. 1125. Right? When you're ready, come back in and sit down. Until then, ding! You are now free to move around the cabin. The seatbelt sign is off. Find someone, use our lobby, walk outside. Whatever you need to go, pick up the phone or talk to a person. And that's what we're going to do. All right, let's go. Today's message is only 50 minutes long. <laughs> yes, that is five, five zero. They say, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not going to be that long. I, it is going to be important, though. And as been, again, as, as we've been working through this return to me series, again, starting in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and almost working our way through the story and the kings that have risen and fallen and obeyed the Lord and disobeyed the Lord and eventually led their people because of the disobedience, because of the judgment, and because of the promise of God on that judgment, were then sent into exile, captured multiple times and sent in multiple waves over in this place called Babylon. Right? So we've got to that point in the story, and then we've intersected that on the timeline a couple weeks ago with a man you, you may know as Daniel, right? Belteshazzar in the, in the Babylon, um, and, and, and how I intersected the timeline of stories there. So we've talked about that. And, and then the kings that came, and, and Darius the Mede, and Cyrus of Persia, and then Artaxerxes, sending and allowing then at that point... Um, some people of Judah, to, to go back to, to Jerusalem. And so we, we've gotten to the story in Ezra, and last week we uh, very quickly uh, recapped all ten chapters of the book of Ezra. And we're going to pick up there uh, to begin today. Uh, to, some things are important, but we're not going to, to land there long. It's just to, again, put in context or perspective where we've come to in the story and we've got this week and one more week to finish up this Return to Me series. We've got one more week in the round like this. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to actually bump that back one more week. But even when we go back to a forward seating arrangement, we're going to continue in the story. All right? So the series title may change, but the book don't. Right? So we're just going to pick up and we're going to keep going on because hopefully you are like I am and I'm wrapped up in this thing. It's like, you know, way better than Game of Thrones, right? Didn't watch that junk, right? But if there's a show that maybe that's just the it thing for you, the great British bake-off perhaps, um, if there's, you know, uh, I don't know, 
I don't know, whatever your show is, this is better than that, okay? I, I promise you. It's more drama, more story, more, ooh, what happens next? And so we're going to continue in that story. And, and then again, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be changing some things in this room. Um, obviously, that'd be a little weird to sit under. Um, so that's going to that's make a trip to the probably the students' room. Uh, but anyways, we're going to face forward. So we've got one more week in the round. So again, as a side note, just invite you to celebrate with us one more time. It's nice to hear the church sing. And we're not going to be leaving all of that behind. Again, some things are, are going to be changing when we uh, face forward again. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and if you would like to be uh, help in those changes, uh, just let myself or Mike Avento um, up there know. And we'll coordinate with you accordingly. Um, you don't have to have tools. We have those. But you can come and you can help move things pick things up and put them down. I pick things up and put them down. So if you do it at the gym, you can do it here. Um, so you can, anyway, enough on that. So we're going to begin in, in Ezra again. And um, just to recap a little bit of, of what is important because of who it mentions there. And we went through some of the genealogy and talked about why that's important a little bit last week. All right. And I'm beginning in verse, chapter two in, in verse one. And this is a contemporary of a man we're going to talk about in just a moment in the book that follows this. Uh, and now these were the people, in the words of Ezra, of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried captive to Babylonia. And they returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. And they came with Zerubbabel, which is just fun to say, Jeshua, and then this guy, Nehemiah, is what we're going to be talking about today. Nehemiah, and also with him, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, and that's the Mordecai, the prophet, right? And, and this was happening simultaneously. If you read the book of Esther, which doesn't, right, it was, it's near here, but was happening slightly before this, all right? So in the timeline, all of this is kind of happening. There's a lot there's a lot going on here, okay? And Mordecai, if you know that story, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvai, Rehum, and Bana. With two A's. Long A's. Bana. Anyway, the guy we're talking about is the dude Nehemiah. All right? And we're going to read one more verse here in chapter 2. And it's important to know, but this Nehemiah guy we're about to talk about um, came back with Zerubbabel and some of those other, other people. He was the third um, release of captives and the final release of captives to come back from Babylonia to Judea and Jerusalem. And he led the third group back. And they brought with him about 50,000 people. Right? Some people just chose to stay. Some people had been killed. But these are the people that came back, and there's the generations of those. And this is around 444 B.C., right? 444 B.C. Now, I want to skip ahead and just highlight one thing in verse 55. And the sons of Solomon's servants, and then it's listed there, and they have all come back too. Now, why is that note even in there? Why is that important? I love it because generations and generations and generations and generations before, the people who had served King Solomon, son of David, right, hundreds and hundreds of years before, were still recognized, still known, still tracked their descendants, still found their identity as, yeah, my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather was a servant for King Solomon. And they, hundreds of years later, were allowed to come back. We're going to talk about why they were allowed in the next book, but they were allowed to come back. And you're thinking about like, why is that important? Well, because they knew who their grandfather's grandfather grandfather was. They paved the way, and they were faithful servants of King Solomon, arguably the greatest king in Israel's history. David was fantastic, right? But his son Solomon, in many ways, surpassed it. Built the temple. Was the wisest man, like all the trees and all the gold and Queen of Sheba and some other cool stories, right? We can talk about that. Um, but fantastic king. And these are the servants who lived in with the king. And at the time, they're like, well, it might not be a, an important job. You know, I'm serving the king. What am I? I'm just, I'm baker number seven. 
my job is to make his favorite croissants, right, with the little strawberry swirl in it. Like, ooh, right? We're, we're not thinking about it much, but when they're serving the king, every position mattered. So much so that generations and generations later, they are the ones allowed to, to come back because of their faithful service to the king. And so I just want to, I want to stop here for just a second before we go into the next book and just highlight that you, you as you serve here or in the community, you as you lead in your homes or your families, every once in a while, and hopefully not too often, you feel like you might be in a thankless job. I mean, what, what am I doing? I just, I keep serving in children's ministry. I keep serving in production. I keep serving in the band. I keep being a door greeter. I keep cutting up fruit that nobody eats. Like, come on. Like, just whatever is like, is any, is this, does this even matter? Well, the answer is, is yes. And it, it might not matter to you now, but I guarantee you it matters later. And it might matter more to someone else than to you right now. Because parents who are serving in any way, shape, or form, in at least this church, do you have children? Okay, maybe you do. Guess what your kids get to see? Mommy and daddy serve. This is important. Mommy and daddy lead our family. Mommy and daddy pray with us. See, every little thing you do matters. And how you serve how you serve the king. Solomon's not here. Last time I checked, he's in the category of not just dead, but super dead. <laughs> right? Elders, super dead. That's a joke. Don't worry about it. Right? So he, he's super dead on this earth. That's not the king we are serving. We are serving the king. And, and you leave a legacy in how you serve. And oh, what a privilege it would be to have our children and our children's children and our children's 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 children. Maybe even part of True Life Church. You think about that? Like what we could be a part of building for the kingdom of God here? Like, let's think that far ahead. That you want to see your grandchild's grandchild serving, leading, and bringing their family maybe to True Life Church, but wherever they are in Podunk, Montana, leading their church well for God. What a joy, right? So what you do today matters. Don't ever think that serving in a small way doesn't make a big difference, especially later. I just want to highlight that as like a little side note. All right? And now let's go into the next part. So we're going to go flip over a book, 10 chapters, to Nehemiah. And last week I mentioned that the end of Ezra just kind of drops off. They're having to clean out the... You know, some of the, the priests and the people who had led the temple and lived in the land had intermarried with people they shouldn't have intermarried with. They're like, we've got to make this right. And so they, in a good way, in a lawful way, kind of annulled some marriages. You know, they didn't have one wife. They had many wives. They're like, okay, they could probably afford to lose one, I guess. I don't know. But they, they annulled some, some marriages so that they could be right before the eyes of God and, and then lead the people well again. And the book of Ezra just drops off a cliff, Right? It's because in the Hebrew text, there was no book of Nehemiah. It was all Ezra. I mean, it just, it, we turned the page or continued the scroll, right? And, and we pick up right here in the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Hakaliah. That's a cool name. Like, Nehemiah is cool, but Hakaliah, that's, that's unique. All right, and so we just turned the page, and, and now we're into the Nehemiah, right? And most scholars think that Ezra wrote both books, and Nehemiah, who is a contemporary living at the exact same time in the exact same area, doing many of the exact same things in a different way that Ezra was doing, kind of almost spoke this out, and Ezra transcribed it. He was Google Translate, and he wrote it down so, so that we have it, because they were working with each other. And you want to think about it this way, that, that Ezra's main focus that God brought him back for, if you will, was allowed to be the spiritual guide for the people of Judah as they went back out of exile into the land that they had been promised. So he was like spiritual mentor, right? In many ways, 
you have Nehemiah come along and be the governor. He actually became governor of Judea twice. And we're going to get there later in the story. But kind of be the administrative oversight. All right? And we're going to read today simply just Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, because it's so important for us, as we are almost about to tie off this series, we are not done with the story. And, and that excites me. All right? So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And at this time, he's still over serving in the kingdom of what is now Persia because they took over Babylon, all right? So he's over there. He's not in Jerusalem or Judah yet. And he came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Hey, what's the status with the homeland? Now, this is an interesting question because Nehemiah has never seen this. He's never been there. It's like you grew up in Italy, but your parents were from America or your grandparents were from America, and you're like, hey, what's going on in Raleigh, North Carolina? What's going on over there? So he's still concerned with that. What's going on? And they said to him, and said, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. They were torn down when Babylon came. King Nebuchadnezzar took him, took him away into captivity, and, and no one wanted to, no one bothered to, no one desired to make the effort to fix it, to, to fix the city, to put the wall back up. And so Jerusalem, the city of God, is left completely undefeated. And technically, without its walls, was not considered a city. So they're going to go back, and we're going to we're talk about that. And so he hears these words, that, this, that the walls of Jerusalem are torn down and they are destroyed. And what does he do when he hears this? As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Stop there real quick. Are we moved to tears? Are we moved to, to tears when, when something breaks our heart? About something being wrong or off in the house of God? Maybe not even just true life church. Like, there are no shortage, almost weekly it seems, of a pastor somewhere in America with a moral failure. Because that person is a public person, media loves that. And the pastor has to resign or, or whatever, or the affair is found out or the fraud is exposed, or whatever it is, and it brings ruin to that church and also hurts the kingdom of God. Does that bring us to tears? So we're like, oh, that stinks. That is not us. Because the wall is torn down somewhere, and it should break our hearts. And Nehemiah's response then might seem extreme. It's not. So he continued fasting in prayer. And he sat down and he wept. He humbled himself before God. And again, we're in this series called Return to Me. Coming back to the Lord. And, and we've repented in many ways to each other or had the opportunity to and encouraged us to, even here on Sunday mornings and outside of that. You had a, even a moment this morning. But I guarantee you, some of the things that we've talked about just scratch the surface of of how our church, our church now, just True Life Church, has had its walls come down over its seven years in different ways. Sometimes with no walls, it's easy to let the people you don't want in. Right? The bad guy, the evil one. We've got to have our walls up. We've got to be ready. There is a battle. There is a fight. I'm going to get to that in Nehemiah chapter 4. It's a great passage. We're not there yet. little teaser for today. 
And so Nehemiah humbles himself before the God of heaven. He says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. He's like, we're not even there. Like I could, I could step outside of responsibility and be like, that's not my problem. I didn't do it. Not my fault. I don't have to take ownership of that. And that would be the world's response, if not especially the American response. And it's definitely the easy response to not assume responsibility, to not take ownership. And he's like, that wasn't me. My hands are clean. We pull a Pontius Pilate and wash our hands and step out of the picture. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. There are some things that we have stopped doing. And one of the things that I'm glad that we've, in this Return to Me series that we've been doing, is more regular communion. Right? In fact, it's been every week. I call that regular. Right? But we took some time today to say, well, let's not make it just ritual for the sake of ritual. I've been hearing the church sing, and that's good. We've been stripping away some of the technology and focusing on what should be, again, the center of the room. Just coming back to to some simple things. Moving away from the experience and just simply just teaching truth and expecting God to be enough. For His Spirit to overflow in this place and in our hearts and then to infect in a good way our hearts for fellowship and stir each other up for good works. He says, remember. Remember us. We've sinned. We haven't done what you told us to do. We've gotten distracted. We've gotten confused. We've gotten complacent, lazy. And it's time to return to the Lord. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But... And here we are again. You're following along. Say it with me. If you return to me. If you return to So here it is again. And so we see this, this, this overarching theme, this underlying fabric that connects this story is, is God saying, return to me. Return to me. It's, it's the cry echoed in Genesis. After the fall of man and Adam and Eve are in the garden, now they're naked and now they're ashamed. The Lord's calling for them in the garden. It's like, oh, we, we knew you were coming when you were going to be mad, so we hid. It's like, man. If you would have returned to me, if you, had a, if you would have come to me with your question instead of deciding for yourself, things should have been very different. But they didn't seek God, Adam and Eve. They sought their themselves and their own wisdom. I think this fruit looks good. Again, they were wrong. It was probably an avocado. I think this looks good. It is, right? And they were wrong, and they paid for literally with their lives. For an avocado. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for the avocado. They're nasty. Color and consistency of booger. Just gross, all right? It's not worth it. All right? It's a snot fruit, and that's what it is. Not worth it for your life, all right? And so they, they didn't exercise the choice and seek God first. And Jesus says this much later, if you seek first the kingdom of God, and then, and then, and then, no, and then, and then all will be added unto you. No, and then. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't even, don't even worry about it. <laughs> it's so weird that I went there. I was just going to move on. All right. If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, 
Though you are outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Couldn't this all, like, couldn't this be our prayer? Like, we could just read verses 8 through 11 every day this week, and man, <laughs> that may change your prayer life. Lord, be attentive. Hear our prayer. We have sinned against you. Help us return to you, and not only just return, but then keep your commandments. See, a lot of people like the return part. They want the restoration part. They want the excited part, but that comes later. See, Nehemiah is basically broken down to what we'll call three parts. And this first part in chapter 1, I would even argue that some theologians pass over. And they divide Nehemiah into two parts. I believe there are three. That's just my opinion, all right? You're welcome to yours. Hear me out. The first part of this is about repentance, right? Repentance. Nehemiah repenting for, for sinning against God, for, for what his people have done. And he's not even there. But he's, he's praying just the same. And this is the return moment. The return to me moment is again, we've spent eight weeks in it now, this call to repentance. And it's not the popular message in 2022. Again, if this message was called repent, our attendance would have probably dropped a bit. I'm just being honest. It's called Return to Me. It's that little pretty blue-purple graphic thing behind it. It's more appealing to the eye, I guess. But the message doesn't change. It's just repent. And there's too many churches, and I'm not picking on them. I'm prayerful, and I'm repenting on behalf because it's ownership in the kingdom of God. There are too many churches not preaching a message of repentance today. There's too many churches preaching a message of, we just want you to feel good, and here's a motivational message, and you are enough. And you're not. You're a sinner. So am I. And we need Jesus. And that should bring us to a moment of joy and tears every time we think about it. It should bring us to a, a, a place of humility and excitement simultaneously for what he has done for us on the cross. And we sit here. That's cool. I dig it. Hallelujah. Because if we're not there, then we don't really understand what he's done for us. We haven't really absorbed it yet. And maybe that's where you're at in your journey of faith, is just really just trying to get your brain, and good luck, trying to get your brain around God's goodness through the sacrifice of his son and then the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with us. What a miracle. Yay. And our first step is a call to repentance. That's where Nehemiah begins. And that's where we're going to end today. Because we're not done. And so I want to ask you something. What did Nehemiah do when his heart was broken about the wall? What did he do? He what? Say it out. Well, we're not there yet. Just in chapter 1, just from what we've read so far today, he, Aiden, he prayed to God, and before and after he prayed to God, because he continued praying, what did he do? You can, it's not a test, you can pull out the cheat sheet, the Bible, look it up, it's not a pop quiz, we just read it, open up the book, he wept and mourned and, and fasted, wept, mourned sat down, fasted, and prayed. And I'll tell you what, these next two phases we're going into for chapters 2 through 7, then 8 through 13, respectively, today we're in repentance. The next two phases are then reconstruction, and yes, building a wall, and then finally, restoration. The three R's 
Repent. Reconstruct. Restore. And we want to jump to number three. We like number three. But too many of us don't want to put in the work and the humbleness and the forgiveness of number one and two to get to number three. And that's my prayer for us as this church. That since January 2nd till now, and as we go into the future, that we are drawn and stay in a place of humble repentance. And I, I challenge you, we've done it before, and there's a prayer journal out there that you can grab two of them if you need help. You can download them if you want on our website. You don't even need them, to be honest. You need this. And I challenge you this week, on behalf of our church, pray, mourn, weep, and fast. Again, Jesus said, and when you fast, not if you fast, but when you do these things. So do you all want to pick a day? We, just, we will choose to not eat together, have water. And you're going to take that meal time and you're going to pray wherever you are, that ever lunch time, that meal time or whatever. Do you want to throw out a day? I don't care. I'm serious. What day works for y'all? Like this is just the body of Christ. This is a church. This is now a conversation. The sermon's done. What day works for you to not eat together? Friday? Wednesday? Tuesday? Tuesday? Who, who likes Tuesday? You busy? You got something going on? It's Taco Tuesday. I don't know. What is Wednesday? How's Wednesday work for everybody? Is Wednesday okay? Wednesday sounds good. Any any non-believers in the Wednesday? You have Mexican Wednesday? You have what? You have youth on Wednesday. So we get to save food budget then. That's fantastic. It's a win-win. Okay, accepting the feeding of the little ones, maybe. Let's, Wednesday. I'm serious. Thirsty Thursday and Thursday. 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 All right. So this this is the challenge, and I, I, it's it's not weird. We just need to be in the habit of doing it. And we're going to take this Thursday. Uh, let's do a show of hands just to make sure. Is there a consensus? Show of hands. Church vote. I know. I'm right there with you, dude. I like food. All right. Let's take Thursday. Let's take Thursday together as a church. Post, comment, message our Facebook page or whatever. Tag a friend of yours. I don't care if you want to do the social media thing. It doesn't have to be about that at all. But if you need help, if you need an accountability partner, you know, rice cakes don't suffice, all right? That's not a substitute, okay? Let's sacrifice together. Let's pray. Let's weep. Let's mourn. Let's seek God's face for our church. Let's take Thursday. Yeah, Kim. Sure, don't be, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Fast something, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, don't settle. All right, I'm giving up lighting candles today. Okay, you, you, can, you can make it. You can make it a day, all right? Good luck, Cigna. Good luck, Cigna. Cigna works for Yankee Candle. So, so Thursday, and, and here's what I want you to do, because this is where we're going to end. There, there's no song after this. There's no anything else. This is just the moment, because here's what we need to understand today. Before we go on in the story of Nehemiah, and before we seek God, as we, do we want to build this church? Okay, yeah. Okay, we, we, we want to be a part of building God's kingdom and the work, right? The work of evangelism, the work of ministry. Hopefully I'm not alone in that. It sounds like I'm not. We want to be a part of that building. We can't skip right to it. We can't go right to the reconstruction without the repenting. There's a step. 
We can't skip step one. Ikea furniture will teach you that. All right, the little tiny, you know, drawn Swedish man with the poor tools that they give you in the box. You cannot skip step one. Your shelves don't work. And even if you do follow the steps, they still have a high percentage of not working because they're Swedish furniture. Anyway, Ikea, fun. You can't skip step one. Let's not skip step one this week. Seek the Lord now. Not on behalf of yourself, though that's good. Not on behalf of your family, though that's also is good. This week, together, we're going to seek the Lord, especially this Thursday, on behalf of our church. And let's pray and fast together. Wherever you're at, we are together as a body of Christ. And carve out the time where you would have eaten something else or picked up the phone or logged in, or posted a comment, take that time and say, nope, mm -mm, not today. And sit down and mourn and weep and fast. And say, God, I seek you for our church. And that is brick after brick gets built into a strong wall. As our church grows, it's under the right foundation. Because if you skip step one, you build a house without a foundation, you don't need to be an engineer to figure this one out. It's going to fall down. And our foundation is Jesus Christ and his word. So this Thursday, seek the Lord on behalf of our church. Pray for each other. Pray for the direction of our church. Pray for its leadership, because I'm not the only one. Pray for the people who are serving and leading and teaching kids and, and, and every area of our church. Pray for us to reach out into the community. And pray for God to build his church. We are a part of it. Thursday. All right? Thursday. Day of reckoning. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. All right. So that's our first closing announcement opportunity to be a part of what God's doing here at True Life Church. Thursday. I'll put it on our Facebook page. Thursday. We're going to do the whole no eat, rest on something, you know, and we're going to seek God for our church. All right? So that's Thursday. Next Sunday, uh, uh, the 27th, I believe it is, we're going to wrap up again in the round. Technically, we're going to put a little bookend on the end of this series before we shift things back to a little bit. I don't know. We've done this long enough. Now this feels normal. So we'll make it new again, and we'll face that way, whatever. All right, so that'll be cool. Um, and, uh, again, if you want to help be a part of the work of that, just come up, talk to me, or talk to Mike Avento up there in the booth. Um, it would be preferable if it wasn't just us two for this one. I'll say that. So, um, Also, um, Friday, March 5th, no, Saturday, March 5th, sorry, Saturday, March 5th, uh, not this coming Saturday, but two Saturdays, you want to put that on your calendar, at 10 a.m., we're going to have a church work day, all right? There's some shelves we need to build, some things we need to organize, and definitely some things that need to find their way to the dumpster. You are not one of them, all right? But we do need help uh, in organizing and categorizing um, and relocating just stuff, spring cleaning. So Saturday, March 5th at 10 a.m., uh, come in possibly even painting clothes, ready to work, ready to lift, and there will be something here for you to do. I'm looking forward to it. Saturday, March 5th um, at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Yeah, Saturday, March 5th at 10. Uh, the next Friday, it's a couple Fridays from now, Friday, March 11th at 6.30 p.m., there is the trivia night, family trivia night, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while since we've done one. Um, maybe the Team Christophers will win again. Who knows? We'll let's see. Um, but you're going to want, as we look forward to that starting next week, there will be a sign-up for your team um, out there at the cafe starting next week so we kind of know how many tables to set up and teams to prepare for. Uh, your team will be limited to four people. All right? Four people on your team. 
for this trivia night thing. We're going to cover uh, Bible, and maybe Disney, movies, pop culture, sports, and a, a couple other things. It's going to be a great time. And there will be prizes. Prizes. Who doesn't like prizes for the winners? Maybe it'll be food. You know, someone still be hungry from that Thursday. We'll get you caught up. Um, so that's Friday, March 11th at 6.30 p.m. This is a family-friendly event. Bring all the little ones. Bring your own food that you want for dinner, and we're going to have a good time. Uh, finally, uh, the only other thing I had on today's list uh, was just a reminder that we are continuing our Sunday nights at 6 p.m. with a short time of worship, and then we are studying our elders and a few others are leading us through um, teaching in First Timothy. And tonight we wrap up the book of First Timothy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So uh, anything else that we need to highlight or lift up today and we're going to call it good? Hmm? Woodstain? Yeah, Rick's got some, uh, Rick Huffman. Uh, but if you have any woodstain that you, you aren't using or would like to donate, we'll gladly take that for the project as we face this way. So, yeah, Beth. April first and April second. Okay, sounds good. Women's event uh, Saturday, April second is in the plans. So, more details come soon. Have, more details next week. So just block out the day, ladies, if you want. Cool. Um, church, I love you. I'm going to pray us out, and um, maybe see you here tonight at six. So. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your word for us today. Help us be a repentant people, uh, people who seek your face, a people who are willing to do things uh, differently than the world and maybe even differently than other churches as we pursue the purpose that you have for us. Um, God, for some of us, Thursday is going to be a challenge. I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to just get through it and that we would be humbled and uh, moved to, again, just seek you uh, and your will and your plan for um, the future of this church together. Um, so God, I thank you for a, uh, for a church, for a community of believers, um, who, uh, even if unwilling, are going to commit to, to doing that together as a church on Thursday. So that's, that's important. God, thank you again for your word for us, that we continue, um, as we just chip away in this story, just coming to know more about you and how good you are. And all these things, help us seek you this week. Amen. Amen.